Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for making us together here once again to learn at your feet. We thank you, Lord, that you shall open our hearts to receive what you have for us today in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray that you shall use me as your vessel unto honor in the mighty name of Jesus. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before us today, we have a topic called, What Do You Ask? It's a very interesting way of phrasing things. Like, what do you ask? Not what are you asking, but what do you ask? When we think about prayer, prayer is something that is very common to believers. And we see it depicted in the Bible. Jesus prayed. The disciples prayed. And we're very familiar with the art behind prayer. But what we need to know is the heart behind prayer. Many a times we say we go to God and we ask. But what do we really ask? If you look at Second Chronicles chapter 1. From verse 9 to 11. This was after Solomon had offered offerings unto God. Bond offering. A thousand bond offerings. At Gibeon, if you read from verse 7, which I'll read, it says... And that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast shown great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy great? Who can judge this thy people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thy heart, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thy enemies, neither yet has asked long life, but has asked wisdom and knowledge. For thyself, that thou might judge my people over whom I have made thee king. Praise the Lord. We'll stop there. We can see from here that this interaction between Solomon and God. And God said, What do you want, basically? And he said, Lord, you've been so faithful to my father. All I ask is wisdom so that I can rule your people. And God's response was very interesting because I, God said, I see thy heart. Which is very peculiar to our topic today, the heart of prayer. What do you ask? And we can see that the heart plays a very important picture when we mention prayer and when we talk about prayer. So the first thing we're going to look at today is prayer. And I titled it, Let's Start With Prayer. Let's Start With Prayer. 
If someone approaches you and asks you, okay, what is prayer? Your response would be, well, prayer is talking to God. It's as simple as that. It's talking to God. But even in that talking, there's a lot of things that go in between. You can say that prayer is a two-way communication between you and God, where you speak to God and God talks back to you. But in this communication, there are only always two people involved, and that is between you and God. Someone once said that prayer is Christian's native breath. What that means is that we can't do without it. We can't do without it. What that means is that as Christians, we are going to pray. It's not a question of if we pray. It's a question of when we pray. And what do we ask God when we have our time with him? Many a times, if you go to someone and ask them, okay, what's your idea of prayer? It's almost as if they have to think about it for so long before they can give you a reply. Because in their mind, they feel it's something that, you know, it has to be planned, it has to be structured, it has to be a certain way. But if you put it this way and be like, prayer is simply communication. It's what Adam and God were doing in the garden. I mean, if you read Genesis chapter 3, the fall, and God came down to fellowship as always, and they went to hide because they knew that as God was coming down, that was the time that God comes to fellowship. It was not something that was strange to Adam. Now this leads us to what prayer is not. If we say that prayer is a two-way communication or prayer is man and God having conversation, then there needs to be a manner in which this is conducted. If you look at 1 Samuel 9, verse 7, it's a very short story whereby Saul's father, Kish, um, lost his asses, and Saul's father told Saul to take a servant and go and look for the asses. And they searched left and right, and they couldn't see it. And the servant said, oh, there's this man of God referring to Samuel that everything that he says comes to pass. So we should go and meet him. And Saul's response was, I do not have anything to bring. And if you see other parts of the scripture, it's the note that anytime you come in front of a man of God or you come in front of a priest or a prophet, you have to bring along a gift. You can't come empty-handed. And the same thing applies here. When we come before the Lord, we have to compose ourselves. But first, we need to understand what prayer is and what prayer looks like. And the first point here is prayer is not transactional. And what I mean by transaction is not a tit for tat. So you can't say, oh, Lord, I've surrendered this to you. Oh, yeah, do your own back to me. Lord, see, see, 
I gave tithe 2K, 3K, 5K, 10K. Oh yeah, Lord, add everything together and, you know, give it back to me. Prayer is not transactional. The Bible says that the God we serve is the God of the harvest. And what that means is that God is the one that determines the time and how, the method of that. Prayer is not transactional. Prayer is not selfish. Prayer is not selfish. It is not for selfish gain or reasons. There are different types of prayer. And one, of, one that is very essential is intercessory prayer, whereby you pray for other people. Prayer is not selfish. It's not for you to go to God and, well, you know, it's all about me, 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 me. One thing that I have learned personally is that this Christian life is, is not about you. It's about everyone around you. You, you have tapped your own. You are in a certain level. Other people need to tap their own too. And you need to create room for them to also come in. Prayer is not manipulation. Prayer is not manipulation. Prayer is not you trying to manipulate God based on your request. Prayer is not an option. And I believe this one is very particular in our generation. And I say our generation or my generation. If anyone here is not in my generation, that is. But prayer is not an option. I think one of the reasons why our generation, when it comes to prayer, we lack certain things is because we treat it like an option. Prayer is not an option. It's a necessity. If we say that the Christian life is a life of battle, what that means is that we need to guard up our loins when it comes to prayer. Because one thing we know is that the devil doesn't disturb the unbelievers. It disturbs you that now that your spirit has been regenerated, now you've come alive, now you're in the fold of God. That's when it says, oh, now you're on the devil's blacklist. So it is time to war. Prayer is not an option. It shouldn't be treated as an option. Because essentially, if you say prayer is communication, one thing we need to know is that prayer is also the recognition of who God is. So anytime you come into his presence, what you're doing, and when you come to speak to him, you're recognizing who he is over your life. So we can't afford to treat it as an option. The last one here is prayer is not a request based on anxiety. As human beings, we, we always look through colored lenses. And what I mean by that is that this is the reality that we've always known. We don't know anything different. For us not to look through colored lenses, we have to look through the Bible. For the Bible to guide us and lead us. Prayer is not you, you know, you see, maybe you see your friend now. You go to Instagram and you see them riding G-Wagon. And you're like, God, when? Um, maybe that's a very extreme example. You might not like G-Wagon. It might be something as simple as, ah, 
For example, Unilag now, me and this person, we started when? 2021. The person is in abroad. The person has finished their master's degree. I've not even entered second semester or second session. And you're like, ha, oh yeah, let me go to God. <laughs> Lord, something needs to happen. And there's nothing wrong in that prayer. The problem there is the manner of approach because you started to panic. And when there's anxiety, there's always doubt. It's always from a place of doubt that you go to meet God. Okay, God, like, what is happening? This ASU strike again. What shall we do? Or maybe you're on, you've been since 2019. COVID happened. Strike happened. Lord, these people, they finished. Someone's even getting a second master's. Ha. Huh? Prayer is not, it's not a request based on anxiety. So where does that leave us? This takes us to, where does will come in? Where does will come in? There's a popular question in Christian circles today, and the question is, how can I pray according to God's will? How can I pray according to God's will? And 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 to 15, let's turn there real quickly. First John chapter 5, verse 14 to 15. It says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Verse 15. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. So, if we're asking the question, how can I pray according to God's will? The first thing we need to address is, what is God's will? Hmm. And we can say that God's will comprises of his plan. And as Christians, you might not necessarily know the details, word for word, line by line. But Matthew 28, 16 to 20 gives us a great picture and it speaks about the Great Commission, whereby Jesus commissioned his apostles and left them and said they should go, go around the world spreading the gospel and making disciples of all nations. That's Matthew 28, 16 to 20. And we see the reason why God said that. If you look at Second Peter chapter 3, it says, it is not God's will that anyone should perish. It is not God's will that anyone should perish. It is God's will that everyone should make it to heaven. Everyone should repent. Everyone should come to him and give their life to him. Literally, that is the mission statement. That is the great commission. So like I said earlier, we might not know the nitty-gritty of God's plan, but we know that this is it, the greater picture. And it might look different on different platforms and different ministries, but the goal is still the same. Go into the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. That's God's plan. 
essentially. So if we say that, how can I pray according to God's will? What we are saying is, how can I pray according to God's plan based on his kingdom and what he has said we should go and do? And for us to understand that, we need to dig deeper. We need to dig deeper. We need to dig deeper in what I call the process of asking. The process of asking. In this process of asking, we have three phases. You know, in James 4, verse 3, it says, You ask and receive not because you act amiss according to your own lust. And in Luke chapter 11, verse 9 to 10, let's turn to Luke chapter 11, verse 9 to 10. Luke 11, 9 to 10, it says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Verse 10. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Thank you. In this process of asking, we have three things. Ask, seek, and knock. The first one is ask. A lot of people often forget the simple thing of asking God and just going to him and asking. A lot of people will say, well, you know, God is sovereign. He already knows what I'm going to ask. You're not wrong. He does. But what's the answer of prayer? Prayer is communication. If you're not going to meet God, then there's not much of a, a relationship there. Yes, God knows what you want. Well, he still wants you to come before him. I mean, it's like your earthly father, for example, knows that you need something. But he wants you to also come and ask him that you need this thing. The Lord can see, oh, there's something wrong here. This person needs a raise or this person needs this gift. Or something, and God can see it, but he wants you to ask. Because if you do not ask, then there is no relationship there. Because the essence of prayer is for the relationship. It's for the relationship. And the second phase is seek. And in this phase, we need to search our hearts to dig deeper, to find out what is the motive of our request. Earlier, we listed the things that prayer is not. And in this part, we're trying to search our hearts to really find out what is the motive of our request. Why are we asking this? Some people do not know why they're asking things from God. Some people do not even know why they're going to God to request for certain things. You might ask God, Lord, I need wisdom. Why do you need that wisdom? What is it for? So, for example, now, Lord, give me wisdom to get a good grade, okay? So that, you know, 
everyone will see your glory in my life. Okay? So that I'll be able to draw people to me, my classmates, and I can speak to them. Uh -huh, we're heading somewhere. You want a particular gift from God, and it says we should ask in terms of spiritual gifts. Why are you asking that spiritual gift? Oh, for the body of Christ. Okay, we're heading somewhere. What is the motive behind your request? If we say that we're not just praying based on anxiety, that means we, there needs to be a motive why you're asking something from God. And you need to know that motive. You need to know why. You need to know why. What's the wisdom for? What's the gift for? What's the inspiration for? We need to know. And the third is knock. Knock. And what knock entails is that we must learn to persevere and be persistent. Being faithful to God as we go before him repeatedly. What that means is that if you lay a request before God and you've searched your heart for the motive behind what you're requesting, the next thing is to go before him and thank him because he has done it. Don't just say, oh, well, I've said it once and I know that God doesn't forget. God doesn't forget. He doesn't. But that doesn't mean that you should stop. Many a times you realize that God will be like, uh -huh, remember that thing that he told me? And you're like, huh? Lord, I spoke to you about this. Yes, yes, I've not forgotten, no, but continue to pray. Many a time, God is the one that is reminding us that we said this or we made this covenant with him. We shouldn't forget. We should constantly continue to pray, continue to thank him. Now, this leads us to another question. And someone might be like, okay, I have done all this, but I'm not getting the answer that I want. Does that mean that God doesn't answer prayer? And the answer is no. God answers prayers. But his answer might not be the answer you want. But God always answers prayers. When I was younger, there's this show I used to watch, the KKB show. Uh, I can see we're familiar with it. It says, the red light says, stop. The orange light says wait, and the green light says go. You're watching the KKV show. It was very interesting back then. But these are God's answers. Yes, no, and wait. Yes, no, and wait. If God's answer is yes, what that means is that God has done it. You might not see the physical manifestation, but in the spiritual realm, it has already been settled. What do we need to do then? We need to thank God for it. Because even in these three answers, there are two ingredients that are very important for us Christians, and that is faith and patience. We can't do without it. So if we say God's answer is yes, it means that everything is settled in the spiritual realm. You need to continue to build your faith and you need to continue to wait patiently for the physical manifestation. That's just one end of the spectrum. Another end is 
it has been done in the spiritual realm and you've seen it physically, does that mean you should stop thanking God? No. Continue to thank him for what he has already done. The second answer is no. And it's one of the answers that people do not like to hear. No. And God can say no for various reasons. Number one, he's saying no because the one that he has placed in your hand, you've neglected it. And you're asking for something else. Not that what you're asking is not according to God's will. It is, but he said, you've neglected that one. That one that I gave you. I put it in your hand. What have you done with it? And God is saying, no, focus on that one. This one, you don't need it. Focus on it. This is where I've placed you. This is the assignment I've given unto you. Don't run away from it. Focus on it. So God's answer might be no. And no is not a bad answer. No just means that God is actually pushing you in the right direction and telling you this is what you should focus on. It might be in terms of spiritual gifts. You are praying to God for one particular spiritual gift. And God says, okay, oh, this gift I've given you, but you've not started to exercise faith. You've not started to open your mouth to speak. You've not started to open your mouth to connect with people. And it's like, okay, you want this gift. I see that you want this gift, but the one I've placed in your hand, you've not started to move in that area. I got answered, might be wait, 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 because the faith you have now cannot carry it. So therefore, you have to wait. Wait. For many of us here, and that's why I say many a times, prayer is a privilege that we have, that God has given us. And here in this church, in this assembly, we've had the privilege to hear God time and time and again. And hear God speaking. And hear God saying, oh, I've come to shower, shower you with my gifts. I've come to pour my anointing on you. And we know that God doesn't forget. And God is pouring his anointing. And he said, okay, oh, wait. Wait for more. But the one that I've given you, what are you doing about it? And we need to realize that with all these things, we still need faith. You need faith to exercise the gifts. A lot of people do not understand because they think it just comes by like magic. Prayer is not magic. It's not. It's not power pop girls. It's not that. And God is saying, wait. Wait. And sometimes we live in a generation whereby we want everything quick, quick. No one wants to pray anymore because they feel that God is too slow. No one is patient anymore. Patience is a virtue. A man or a woman who knows how to wait on God is someone who has literally gotten the answer. Because patience is a virtue. And as Christians, we need to have that. We need to learn to wait on God. 
We need to learn to wait on God. Because prayer is unending. We're never going to stop praying. It's never going to stop. And if we say that faith is our currency and we know that even in prayer we can't do without faith, what that means is that we shouldn't see it as a chore. We shouldn't see it as an option. We should see it as, as you're eating and sleeping, as part of you. It might be something as simple as, you wake up in the morning and you're just talking to God. Lord, I, this lecturer is stressing me. Lord, come and intervene. When I was younger, I used to talk to myself. Um, I used to play out movies. I don't know if anyone did that when they were younger. Always playing out scenes that have happened in the past, though, and, you know, maybe I should have done it this way. Or just things I watch. I'm just like, okay, this is me playing the character. But now it has changed, because now I, I use it to talk to God. I say, Lord, okay. You can just be walking, walking along the streets, and you just start to talk to God. It shouldn't, it shouldn't seem like a chore. You know, you hear some people, they will say, ah, throughout today I spoke to God. And in your mind, you're like, ah, how did you do it? Did you, you know, in your office, did you just set one corner and you were praying and no one disturbed you? For them, it's like as they're walking, every single thing, they're just talking to God. Like I said, it might look in different formats. You might be blowing in tongues. You might be directly just speaking to God, Lord, I need your help. You're still talking to him. But you see, he wants to hear you. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to say, okay, it's my son that is speaking to me today. It's my daughter that is speaking to me today. We can't afford to be silent. Can't afford to be silent. And the first picture that we have of this is in Genesis, where it all began. And the picture we saw was not Adam blowing in tongues. It wasn't. It was God and, God and Adam just having conversation like you have with your fellow colleagues, your fellow brother and sister in Christ. It was very seamless. So why is it that we put so much pressure on ourselves when it comes to communicating with God? Why is it, why does it feel like it's difficult to talk to God? Because the more you continue, the more God will continue to speak to you. The more God will continue to reveal things to you because you're actually speaking to him. And for some people, God is just waiting for you in one corner and be like, okay. I'm waiting, I'm waiting to hear your voice in this area. I'm waiting to hear your voice and recognize your voice in this area because you've not, you've not said anything to me. So what do you ask? What do you ask? 
when you go before God, what, what, what are you focused on? Are you focused concerning his kingdom? Are you focused concerning the body of Christ? Are you focused concerning the individuals you see around you? Are you focused concerning the lost souls? Because essentially, the Bible says, and this is me paraphrasing here, that God is only concerned about the people that are concerned about him. He says, seek me first, the kingdom of God, and all other things shall be added unto you. And what that tells us is that all those other things are secondary. They are. Because if we have accepted that this life is not our own, what that means is that the life that God has given us, we should do it to fulfill the mandate because that's all we have. There's something that daddy pointed to me recently, I think in Proverbs, it says that a man who winneth souls is wise. Essentially meaning that someone who doesn't reach out to people and evangelize is a fool, in summary. And it struck me because it was like, yes, if the Bible could say that, meaning that that is literally our life's mission, nothing else. Nothing else. So when we go before God, I want us to really think about what are we asking God? What's the motive behind our ask? Do we see prayer as a routine or a chore? Or do we see it as recognizing who God is in our life? And I pray the Lord will help us. Amen. Amen.